It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Here's Donald. Carry it out. Deep ball. Separation. Caught. Robbie Anderson. Goodbye. Touchdown, Jets. The whole NFL is watching. A fourth and ten. And here they come. Make this pass. It's intercepted by Mosley. Moving on down the top. Bell breaks a tackle. Looking downfield, fires this one, and intercepted at the 34. Jamal Adams goes down on the ground and takes it away. He'll hit immediately. He got the handoff. You know and that's <laughs> the Q-inator. Oh, my gosh. Listen. Thank you. Welcome to Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And I am joined to recap the Jets' second preseason game against the Atlanta Falcons down in Atlanta by the great beat reporter from NJ.com and New Jersey Advanced Media, Mr. Matt Stipulkowski. Matt, before we get into the game, let's talk about a different game, the game of golf. You went head-to-head with Andy Vasquez and Connor Hughes playing golf while you were down in Atlanta. Now, we know, obviously, that Connor was going to finish in a distant third, but who won the big battle, you or Andy? That would be me. Uh, I'd like to let people know I fired up an 80. Andy, an 89, uh, though he is standing here right now protesting and making sure that I mentioned the fact that he made three birdies. I only made one. But, uh, you know, it doesn't really matter at the end of the day. It just matters what the, the big number on the scorecard is. This is true. 80 is better than 89, therefore you get the victory. Although three birdies... Is very impressive. How'd you like this stadium when you went and saw the Braves and the Mets? Uh, it was nice, but unspectacular was basically my summary of the place. It was, you know, a nice modern new ballpark, but uh, didn't blow me away. But hey, we had a good time. Uh, nice to check out a Mets game, and uh, I like to buy a, a new hat at every ballpark I go to. So I uh, picked up a cool retro Braves hat last night too. So not the worst thing. I saw that picture on social media. People were giving you some grief because you weren't wearing a Mets cap. Uh, I believe my uh, friend and coworker Daryl Slater said, throw him over the balcony. Wow, some violence from Daryl Slater. Yeah, he's a little fired up these days. My goodness, that is not the kind of example you want to set for future generations. Daryl's about to be a father. Come on, Daryl. Well, it it remains to be seen what kind of parent he's going to be, I suppose. (laughs) Last question before we get into the game. Food-wise, what's going on? Andy had some hookups down there from his days covering the Nets. Where'd he take you? Yeah, we uh, went for some fried chicken uh, earlier today, and uh, that was great. And we also went for uh, some soul food yesterday wednesday when we landed as well so uh, it's been a good food trip in atlanta so far a good trip for your buddy bronson kafusi as well he was one of the stars of the game i'm calling this the stip factor he does a one-on-one interview with you and then has a breakout performance coincidence i think not matt yeah uh you know i I would like to think i have that effect on people but uh you know i don't want to give myself too much credit here (laughs) but yeah very nice night for uh Bronson Kafusi with the uh, strip sack and a few other nice plays as well. So uh, good showing for him, though. We uh, all in the press box were, were kind of confused and have been confused for a little while now about kind of how the Jets are using him because he'll be in there with the starters and then he still sticks around when the third team defense is out there. So 
not entirely sure what the deal is there, but, uh, you know, he had a nice night making some plays. So that's, uh, you know, all he can do, he took care of his end of the bargain. A lot of blitzing going on overall. Not surprising because this is what Greg Williams does, but he was pretty aggressive. Brandon Copeland getting in there for a sack. This was exactly what Greg Williams is going to try to do in the regular season. He's going to bring the heat. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Greg Williams dialed it up all night long. And, uh, you know, we didn't see much of that against the Giants last week, but uh, he started to kind of show exactly what this Jets defense is going to be and kind of went straight for his ML, like you said. And uh, it was pretty effective. I think it was five total sacks, if I recall correctly, for the Jets. Uh, some of the starters, Jamal Adams got one early on. Uh, Avery Williamson, I know, had one. Copeland, you mentioned. Kafusi, the one that uh, we already touched on. So, yeah, it was a nice night for uh, the Jets, the front seven there, and uh, getting after the quarterback and disrupting some things. And that's uh, you know going to have to be a big part of their formula as well just because of how uh, shoddy their cornerbacks are, for to say the least. So uh, if you want to cover up that weakness, you're going to have to generate some pressure, and they did that against the Falcons. We're going to get to those shoddy cornerbacks in just a bit. But first, how about Jamal Adams even getting in there for a sack? Yeah, nice safety blitz getting around there, and uh, Jamal making a nice play. He was active, four tackles for him on the night, and he's a uh, short stint out there. So uh, nice to see Jamal picking up right where he left off last year and uh, getting in on the action. Play like a Jet. Play like a Jet. With your host, Scott Mason. Henry Anderson had a strong game. C.J. Mosley showing you why he got paid $17 million. This is a strong showing for these two. Yeah, absolutely. Very nice uh, night for Anderson, like you said. C.J. Mosley had some nice uh, plays as well, though uh, some of the other reporters were kind of bust my chops after the game a little bit because I asked C.J. Mosley about one missed tackle he had, and uh, all of them looked at me like I had eight heads. The guy's not allowed to miss a tackle in the preseason, but uh, you know what I was asking him was basically just if that was a you know a little sign of some. Russ that he was shaking off if he thinks that's a play he makes during the regular season. So, uh, not trying to say that CJ Mosley can never miss a tackle, but, uh, you know, on the whole, pretty solid night for him. Hey, listen, in the 1980s, if Mike Tyson got knocked down, you ask him about it, even if he gets back up and dominates the rest of the fight, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, you know, I can't say that I was around to see those Tyson fights, but I, you know, I've heard about them. You know what I'm talking about, though. Obviously, if he misses a tackle, <laughs> it's a story because it's something that's out of the ordinary. Yeah, exactly right. So when you see uh, Mosley kind of whiff on one, yeah, it does make your uh, eyebrows raise a little bit. Let's talk about C.J. Mosley's brother, Jamie, because he was one of a whole bunch of injuries. My favorite injury here, and I say favorite as a facetious matter, Brandon Shell was injured during warm-ups. Yeah, Uh, a lot going on tonight for sure. And yeah, Shell was the first of them. His right knee, I guess, started acting up on him during warmups. So he, I don't, you know, I I don't know how on earth you hurt yourself in warmups. Don't know the details there, but yep. Uh, he wasn't able to go. Uh, like you said, Jamie Mosley picked up a knock and, uh, Scott, the list is long. So I might need you to help me out at some point here, but I know, uh, James Burgess was among the guys that went down at some point. Uh, Arthur Millette got a little banged up so uh you know he wound up being okay Tavon Campbell same deal there Avery Williamson he picked up a knee injury because Campbell ran into Avery Williamson uh I believe there might have been one or two others as well 
that I'm just missing off the top of my head. But yeah, injury-filled nights for the Jets, and that's kind of uh, been a theme over the last week or so here. It's a good thing the Jets are so deep at cornerback, so these injuries don't matter much. Because Alex Brown was in the shadows, ready to take over for Millette and Trayvon Campbell. So that begs the question, Matt, who is Alex Brown? Um, that is a great question. Uh, he's one of those guys where we all saw his number pop up on the field and we all had to scramble to look at our rosters to find out his name. So that kind of tells you all you need to know about Alex Brown, I think. For as scary as the cornerback situation was, the kicker situation didn't look good tonight either. I had mentioned on the podcast yesterday that I believe that Taylor Bertolette may actually end up being the kicker despite the fact that nobody seems to think that. Some very positive things were said about Bertolette by Jets special teams coach Brant Boyer. In fact, he went as far as implying that Bertolette was his choice to be the kicker last year and he was overruled, but Bertolette did not do much to help himself tonight, missing two extra points. Matt, I think he needs to take a page out of Bronson Kafusi's book and sit down with you for a one-on-one for good luck because he's going to need it. Yeah, uh, not really sure how, I mean, it certainly doesn't help Bertolette's chances what happened tonight. Uh, but yeah, it, you know, it's going to be interesting to see. I know Adam Gase said after the game that he is kind of waiting to see the film and just wants to make sure, uh, you know, he doesn't blame Bertolette before he sees if there was a bad snap or a bad hold or anything like that. But um, from what I saw, at least on first glance, nothing looked egregious. Bertolette kind of admitted that he just wrapped his foot around those balls and that it was kind of on him. So, uh, yeah, not a good night. He did not help his cause as he tries to work toward making this team. And, uh, yeah, wouldn't be surprised if the Jets bring in another kicker to try to push him at least at some point because kicker is just a revolving door for them at this point. Sticking with special teams, Matt Darr punted in the first half. Do we have any idea why? Uh, you know, him and Lachlan Edwards have just kind of been battling throughout camp, and uh, I wouldn't read too far into it just yet. Uh, those guys kind of alternate punting periods during practice a lot of the time, so uh, maybe they just wanted to give Dar a chance with some of the first-team special teams guys or something like that in the first half and then, you know, flip-flop things up a little bit. Um, unless this becomes a trend, I wouldn't read too far into it just yet. But uh, I suppose if you're Dar, you got to be at least a little encouraged to get some of those more uh, primetime reps. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. With your host, Scott Mason. Let's talk about the first-team offense now. They were cooking tonight, especially Sam Darnold along with Robbie Anderson and Quincy Inunua. This despite the fact that they were missing a significant portion of their starting offensive line. A good sign, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you can have just one of your five offensive line starters and still manage to piece together an eight-play, 66-yard touchdown drive to start off the game, that's certainly a good sign. And uh, the fact that they managed to, you know, have three possessions and then get Sam Darnold off the field uninjured was an, another nice victory for the back group as well. Uh, you know, that's really all you can ask for. And Adam Gase kind of said after the game that uh, if the whole offensive line had been healthy and available, he probably would have kept the starting offense out there a little bit longer and let them keep it going. But uh, he decided to pull the plug after those three drives just to be safe. And, you know, he knew he had, gotten away with it to that point he didn't want to roll the dice anymore so that was it get Darnold out of there get the rest of the starters out of there uh, and make sure you live to fight another day 
Second game in a row, Le'Veon Bell didn't play at all. Are you surprised by that at all? No, I'm not. I would have been surprised if he did play um, based on everything that him and Gase keep saying in practice, just kind of reading between the lines. Um, I would say that if Bell plays at all, it's just going to be a little bit in the third game next week against the Saints. So, uh, yeah, wasn't surprised that he played or did not play against the Falcons here. Um, I think the Jets have been really up in his workload and practice the last few days, and they're content to kind of just let him do the most, the majority of his work there and kind of spare him some of the hits that he would his game. In his absence, Ty Montgomery looked really good. He's been strong all the way through training camp. Definitely a positive here for the Jets because Adam Gase has talked about not wanting to run Le'Veon Bell into the ground. So if you can see some positive things out of Ty Montgomery during the regular season where he can just get in there and be a good change of pace option, that'll help preserve Bell down the stretch. And Montgomery tonight taking a step towards showing the Jets that he can be that type of player for them. Yeah, absolutely. Really nice night for Ty Montgomery. And, uh, yeah, I fully expect that we're going to see a pretty good amount of him during the regular season. I wouldn't even be surprised if the Jets decided to put both him and Bell on the field sometimes together. Uh, obviously with their ability to kind of, uh, split out wide and, you know, change things around, you could put them both on the field and really get, kind of get defenses a bit confused, uh, because you, you can move them all over the place. They're both so versatile. They're both able to line up in the backfield. They can both go out, uh, play some slot. They can line up as receivers. They can do all those things. And if you have uh, interchangeable personnel like that, it really makes things tough on the opposing defense to kind of figure out what's coming. So, um, yeah, both of them I expect to be, you know, Bell obviously a big contributor on this team. But uh, Montgomery, you know, I don't think we realized at the time when they signed him just how big a piece he's going to wind up being on this offense. No huddle offense for that first drive, and it's the second straight time in these preseason games that the Jets march right down the field and scored on the opening drive. You think we're going to see some of this during the regular season with Adam Gase because it definitely seemed to catch Atlanta off guard, the Giants off guard, and Darnold seemed to execute it pretty well. Yeah, they seem to be doing a really nice job on that scripted stuff coming right out of the gate and uh, on those first two drives too, they have a tendency to, you know, don't know how, no huddle and really push the tempo. And so far that's, uh, been catching opponents off guard. You know, we'll have to see if maybe opposing teams will start to be more ready for that now that, you know, two times is a trend at this point. So, uh, perhaps the Saints will be a little bit more prepared if the Jets come out and really speed things up to start off the game next week. But, uh, yeah, Darnold and the offense have done a really nice job executing on those kind of set pieces out of the gate there. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if that becomes a bit of a function of this team. Play like a Jet. Play like a Jet. With your host, Scott Mason. There's actually a lot going on with the rookies tonight, so let's do rookie watch. Quinn and Williams looking impressive. Chuma Adoga getting chewed up at one point. Trayvon Wesco getting himself a touchdown. Ja'Kai Polite being used in a questionable manner at best. What did you see from the rookies tonight, Matt? I mean, the most notable thing has to be Quentin Williams, uh, you know, <laughs> pushing whoever that was from the Falcons. I can't recall off the top of my head, but, I mean, just absolutely flattening him. That was impressive for Quentin Williams, and I know I, I saw a little bit of a Twitter debate about, oh, he, you know, the Falcons player trips or what have you, but one way or another, I mean, pretty nice display of uh, power from Quentin Williams just, Busting through the line there, getting after the quarterback. 
Uh, and I know he drew a holding penalty as well. So, I mean, you know, he had a pretty productive night, even if he only, or even if he didn't record any tackles. So, uh, you know, that's kind of going to be the next step for him at some point, picking up some of those tackles for loss, picking up a sack here and there. But uh, for right now, just seeing him kind of get some physical pushes and, you know, make some things happen in the middle of the line, that's a good sign for him. Uh, as you mentioned, Adoga playing with the starters because of Shell's injury. Uh, he got, yeah, torched a little bit at one point there. Wasn't the best look for him, but, you know, he was thrown into a tough, uh, tough circumstance kind of playing with the starters unexpectedly at the last minute. So uh, it wasn't all bad for him. Like we mentioned, the offense worked pretty well on that first drive. So, you know, he was doing some things right, at least at times there. But, um, yeah, going to have to sharpen things up if he's going to be an actual starter at some point. Though, you know, we all expect Beecham and Shell to be the tackles this year with Adoga being the third man. Uh, and then, yeah, Ja'Kai Polite. Uh, I will admit during the second half of these games, especially in the preseason, you're doing uh, a lot of writing and maybe not quite as much watching. So I'll have to look back and see some of the stuff on film for Polite. But, uh, you know, he popped up now and again. You kind of notice him. And uh, he is, I think, slowly but steadily making some improvements over the course of this training camp, uh, learning things, picking things up. And it's starting to show off here and there uh, on the field. So, that's a pretty good sign. And Greg Dortch, uh, you know, getting in on the punt return action again, really seems like he has that job more or less locked up at this point, you know, unless he just absolutely self-destructs over the next couple of weeks. So it uh, looks like the undrafted rookie there is going to wind up making the team. And uh, Trayvon Wesco, like you said, making that catch. Though, if I'm not mistaken, that was uh, ruled out because of a, a pass interference penalty, mm-hmm. right? An offensive pass interference penalty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, uh, you know, he made the, made the play. It wasn't on him, but, uh, you know, at least he was hauling it in. He's not a big pass catcher uh, generally, or at least he wasn't in college. So uh, being able to make that play, make things happen there is a good sign for him for sure. I'm still counting it as a touchdown catch since it's preseason, and that's how I'm going to tabulate it, even though it wasn't technically a touchdown. None of these scores actually count anyway, so that's how I choose to look at it. I will say this. Chuma Doga getting just run over by Vic Beasley reminded me a little bit of that scene in Major League Two when Jack Parkman runs over Rube Baker and says, welcome to the big leagues, kid. Yeah, yeah, it was definitely the welcome to the NFL moment for Chuma Doga in that one for sure. Davis Webb getting some playing time tonight once again didn't look so good as he hadn't looked good the week before, but he did have some impressive scrambles. Yeah, yeah. I think there was like a 13-yarder or something like that mixed in at some point. But, uh, yeah, throwing the ball, not exactly the forte of Davis Webb at this point. He is 4 of 12, I believe, in the preseason with two interceptions. The bright side is he was 2 of 5 tonight for all 10 yards, but at least he avoided the two picks that he threw against the Giants last week. So uh, baby steps, I suppose, but (laughs) uh, it's a little late in the summer to be counting on baby steps. So. Yeah, not a very good night for Davis Webb and uh, Luke Falk a little bit better. He was definitely the sharper of the two battling it out for the number three spot. But, uh, yeah, let's just say, I mean, if the, Jets, if the Jets need a third quarterback to start a game for them this year, they are going to be in deep, deep, deep trouble. Matt, let's take a second here to appreciate the fact that Matt Schaub was actually in an NFL game tonight 
in the year 2019. At this point, I got to figure he's just running out the clock until he can collect Social Security, right? Yeah, that was pretty incredible for sure. There was definitely some people, uh, you know, some of the Jets reporters that obviously aren't watching the Texans roster every day when, you know, we saw him jog onto the game, jog onto the field. Everyone started looking at their rosters going, wait, is that is that Matt Schaub? Is he still playing for them? So, uh, yeah, good for him, man. Trotting in there and uh, to keep it going at this point, pretty impressive stuff. Play like a Jet. Play like a Jet. With your host, Scott Mason. Now let's go into the press room, Matt. Coach Gase spoke. We heard from Sam Darnold. Robbie Anderson had something to say. So did Taylor Bertolette. What did these gentlemen have to say? We'll start with Coach Gase. Yeah, Gase, I mean, as you would expect, he was just really high on uh, the offense, the starting offense, and what they managed to put together and, uh, you know, loves the tempo. You know, a lot of this is stuff that he has said before, but um, that's because it's stuff we've seen before, too. I mean, Sam Darnold and that offense looked really good, and uh, Gase thinks that this is just kind of a preview of what we can expect throughout the regular season. So he was heartened by that. Uh, beyond that, yeah, Taylor Bertolette did a nice job just kind of standing up and owning it. You know, he didn't shy away from any of the uh, criticism. He knows it's on him to make those kicks, and, uh, you know, he basically just said he needs to be better. Robbie Anderson... Uh, let's just say Robbie is not a man of many words. Uh, you know, at one point he was asked if, uh, you know, cause you know, he's been such a, a deep threat for so long and kind of one dimensional in that way, but he made some catches doing a few other things tonight. And he was asked if that was a, a show of his versatility kind of growing and him becoming a, a more well-rounded receiver. And Robbie's entire response was just, I think so. So, uh, you know, hey, Robbie at least liked what he did, I guess, tonight. But, uh, yeah, wasn't exactly a, a very deep conversation with Robbie Anderson. Um, and Sam Darnold, again, just uh, he touched on the offensive tempo as well. He said he really, really enjoys coming out, going into the no huddle. Uh, you know, the no huddle offense for him, he said, is just so fun. He really enjoys kind of the, the pace of everything, the decision-making process that goes into it. Uh, and the fact that, you know, he feels like it just keeps defense off, uh, you know, on its toes and really guessing all the time. So uh, that was the big takeaway for Darnold, just how effectively that has worked for the Jets offense and, uh, you know, how heartening that is for him. Any idea when we're going to get more news on these injuries, perhaps sometime in the next couple of days? We see the Jets next on Sunday night. They have a practice at MetLife Stadium. So, uh, that'll be our next chance to talk to those guys. So unless the uh, team kind of releases anything over the next couple of days, my guess would be we will find out Sunday night. Any shenanigans in the press box tonight? No, we all uh, kept it pretty much on the straight and narrow. So uh, I think people were getting a little loony late on there. You know, it's 1030 or whatever on a Thursday night. The last few minutes of a preseason game, people get a little antsy, but other than that, uh, no, it was a pretty nice, simple, straightforward night in the press box. And the good news is nobody had to worry about any kind of weather disruption. 
Yeah, thank God for jobs. <laughs> I honestly don't understand how when these new stadiums get built, if it's not going to be a straight-up dome, how you don't build a retractable dome just to avoid these kind of situations like what happened last week. It doesn't make any sense to me. You spend billions of dollars on a new stadium and you can't put a retractable roof in? Yeah, yeah. If you're going you know, to spend that much money, you might as well splurge for the roof. I'm with you there. I simply don't understand it. If I owned a sports team and I was building a stadium, I would absolutely have a retractable roof. I think you have to. I would love to have the money to own both a sports team and the stadium to go with it. Unfortunately, I fall just short of that. You know what might help me a little bit, though? Winning $3.5 million in the best ball championship at Draft.com and the Draft app. That's what the grand prize is, $3.5 bucks. I am going for it, and you can too. Here's how. You go over to Draft.com in the Draft app. You sign up. It's an easy snake draft, so you don't have to worry about complicated stuff like salary caps or auctions. Plus, you don't have to spend much time maintaining the roster. You pick your players, and they will take care of the rest. They'll make sure that your best players are in all year long. Sounds pretty good, right? Who wouldn't want to win $3.5 million and come that much closer to being able to afford a football team and a stadium to go with it? Well, I've got even better news for you because you get a free opportunity to sign up for a shot at that $3.5 million when you make your first deposit over at the Draft app and Draft.com. If you use the promo code PLAYLIKE, that's PLAYLIKE, P-L-A-Y-L-I-K-E, Use that promo code when you sign up at the Draft app and Draft.com. Make your first deposit, and you could be playing for $3.5 million today. Matt, anything that we missed? No, sir. Uh, I believe we uh, have covered it all. So, you know, two out of four preseason games down. We got the, the one most important one coming up next week against the Saints. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we're really deep in the heart of the summer period at this point, and, uh, you know, just uh, in the home stretch, I guess. And we only have a couple of days of camp left, right? Technically speaking, the Jets broke training camp on Tuesday, but the technical definition of breaking training camp for uh, NFL teams, basically all it means is the players get to leave the hotel. Um, <laughs> for all practical purposes, they still will be in training camp through Thursday um, because we, as reporters, will be able to see their full practices through Thursday. Uh, after that point, they'll be closing down practices and, uh, you know, we won't be able to watch more than about 20 or 30 minutes of practice. So, uh, for our purposes, training camp extends for another week here, but the, uh, players I'm sure are more than happy to be back at home and no longer sleeping in a hotel with one another. And then we've just got the two games, right? We've got the two home games against New Orleans next Saturday. And then the following Thursday, they've got that final game against Philadelphia. That is correct, yep, and then uh, then comes cut-down weekend, and then you're into the regular season, so uh, it'll be here before we know it. Amazing. We are coming down the home stretch. It should be interesting to see what they do, particularly at cornerback and kicker. Got to imagine that we're going to see some additions and subtractions once roster cut-downs begin for other teams. Joe Douglas will hit that waiver wire hard, although with kicker, I think he'll probably do something before that. You would imagine he's going to bring in some competition for Taylor Bertolette, right? 
Yeah, I, I think at this point, you know, at, at the very least, having another leg to push Bertolette is kind of a necessity. Uh, the Jets can't rest on their laurels and just count on one guy to get the job done, I don't think. And, and unless Bertolette really catches the heater over the next few days here. But, uh, yeah, I, I would think a second leg is probably uh, incoming soon. Does a great job covering the New York Jets for NJ.com and New Jersey Advanced Media, especially on the road when he's winning golf matchups against other members of the Jets beat and getting himself some good old Atlanta cooking while going to see the Mets and the Braves, even if he's wearing Atlanta Braves hats for pictures on social media and getting ridiculed by his co-worker who should be a little less violent since he's an expectant father, of course. I'm talking about Daryl Slater being less violent, and I'm talking about Matt Stablkowski providing the great coverage. Matt, thanks so much for joining me again in the middle of the night to recap game number two of this preseason between the New York Jets and Atlanta Falcons. For those that want to read your write-up and everything else you've got up there, including that one-on-one that we've been talking about with Bronson Kafusi, why don't you let them know how they can do that and what else you've got coming down the pike over at NJ.com. Yep, absolutely. So uh, head over to NJ.com slash Jets. Uh, my Twitter account, M underscore Stipulkowski. That's S-T-Y-P-U-L-K-O-S-K-I. You'll be able to find me over there as well. Uh, I already have some uh, takeaways and thoughts on the game posted over on NJ.com slash Jets. Uh, I have some more stuff going up on the morning, including a, a new 53-man roster projection. Got some other posts kind of in the works as well. And uh, yeah, that Kafusi story. Uh, I did not get a Brown to putting it up before the game. Unfortunately, it was a juggle on a couple things, but it will definitely, I promise, be going up over the weekend. So uh, keep an eye out for that one as well. Uh, looking forward to, to sharing that one. Kind of a, a fun little story about uh, Bronson and his uh, family dynamic, I guess you could say. So uh, keep an eye out for that one as well. And, uh, yeah, like we said, two more preseason games. So uh, keep following along, and the regular season will be here before we know it. Matt, please give my best to Andy Vasquez. I hope both of you have a great flight back. We'll talk once you get back. In the meantime, go ahead and follow Matt on Twitter at M underscore Stipulkowski, S-T-Y-P-U-L-K-O-S-K-I, and read his work over at NJ.com slash Jets. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. It's Turn on the Jets Digital and Turn on the Jets.com.